Hey, my name is Dee Thompson, and thank you for joining me for Sisters Doing Life Together podcast. On this podcast, I will have candid conversations with amazing and courageous women like yourself who will share how the challenges they have faced have helped them to grow deeper in their faith, become better sister friends, and the lessons they have learned. I hope you will be encouraged and inspired to experience the beauty of a loving and supportive community, which we call the sisterhood, and that you will continue to grow and your love and faith for Jesus as you open your heart to experience the power of His transforming love. If you haven't done so already, would you please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment if possible on either Apple, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And when you subscribe, you will be notified of each new episode that will post on the 1st and the 15th of each month. If you would like to become one of our Sisterhood supporters, please take a moment to read the ways in which you can give in the episode description. I hope you will enjoy listening and being a part of this community where vulnerability is encouraged, transparency is celebrated, and freedom is where we have chosen to live. Hello, and welcome to season two of Sisters Doing Life Together podcast. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you would know that season one ended with the intention of me taking a short break and returning for season two on August the 6th. Well, life became a little complicated, and I'll share some of what happened in a future episode and why I felt as though I had no more white space. Now, if you're not familiar with the term white space, it is usually talking about the space between where you're rested and exhaustion, the space between your load and your limit, or in other words, it's the margin, and I felt as though I had no margin left. I don't know if you've ever felt that way before, but I promise I will discuss how to live within the margins within a future episode. However, today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with my special guest, Mrs. Willie Mae Jackson. She's an associate pastor at Bible Way Church of Atlas Road, and she works alongside her husband and senior pastor, Senator Daryl Jackson. I invited Mrs. Jackson to be a part of the podcast to discuss the new season of transition that she has in her life as she's prepared to step down from her leadership responsibilities over the next several years. What that will look like for her the legacy she wants to leave, and how she was able to balance marriage, ministry, and motherhood. But before I go into the conversation with Mrs. Jackson, I ask that you take some time this month in recognition of Pastors Appreciation Month to acknowledge the men and women who have made sacrifices that we may never know of to obey God and to lead His people. And for that, I am truly thankful to all of those who've done that for me, including Pastors Daryl and Willie Mae Jackson. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sisters Doing Life Together podcast. And this is your host, Dee Thompson. And tonight I have a special guest, and her name is Pastor Willie Mae Jackson. I affectionately call her Mrs. Jackson. And I'll tell you in just a moment how we met. As I was getting ready for this particular um, conversation about what we want to look at is talking about women in ministry and the legacy that um, she is leaving for the younger women who are going to follow in her footsteps. I was looking up the word legacy, and it's about leaving footprints and leaving something behind that will outlast your name and outlast your life. And as I talked with her back in May, we were having a conversation about this new season that she has in life. And I'm like, what a great opportunity for her to come and share with us about all of the things that she's experienced so far, but what she can give us, the wisdom that she's gained from all the things that she's done. And so I just want to tell you, thank you, Mrs. Jackson, for coming on and being a part of the conversation on tonight. You are so welcome, Donna. And thank you, listening audience, who those ears are going to hear what our conversation 
It's about we pray and we believe that you're going to be blessed from life lessons of my life. And like Donna said, that is the ultimate goal for us to leave a legacy. Uh, that is what uh, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, designed us to be, to be blessed and to be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. So one of the things that I was sharing with her before we started talking is that, you know how you can think you know somebody and then you realize that you know less than you thought. And I was looking at her information. So um, she is actually the wife of um, Pastor Daryl Jackson. So she's an associate pastor for Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. She's a mother. Um, she has two sons. I was looking, she's a grandmother. She's a mother-in-law. She is an author. Um, she is actually over the women's ministry. I met her. I don't know if you remember, Mrs. Jackson, how we actually first met, but I had just moved to Columbia, South Carolina from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when I moved to Oklahoma, I didn't know where I was going to worship. And I was so frustrated. I remember riding in my car one night thinking like, God, I really can't find a place to worship. And I was really frustrated. So when I got ready to move to South Carolina, I said, we know how to take care of this. I prayed in advance like, God, I need a church. And my brother who had been attending another church had just started going to Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. So before I moved here, he said, I have a church where you're already attending. And I remember when I came the first Sunday, it, actually, he didn't bring me. A friend of his brought me because he was out of town. And I remember standing in there and God said, this is home. So for the season that I was there, I knew that I needed to be there. But I didn't meet you immediately. I met you um, when I started coming to an accessory prayer. Um, and that's what I, and all of the roles that you have, and there's so many more that I didn't mention, and we'll get to those hopefully, that the role that I saw you that reminded me most about my mother, as a matter of fact, is that my mother always prayed. And I remember that it didn't matter how many women showed up for prayer, is that you were so convinced and still are from the conversation that prayer changes things. And so I just want to tell you, thank you for being that example of what the Bible says, that God's house should be known as a house of prayer and that you made it available no matter who came, whether you came or not, you showed up. And so thank you for just always doing that. Well, you're so welcome. And that leads me to say to you, Donna, yes, it's two major areas in my life that has really taken me where I am today. And that is the word of God and prayer. That is the word of God and prayer. Before COVID came, I had been praying at the church at six o'clock every Thursday for uh, 28 years. Wow. 28 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time years. to be faithful. <laughs> Before COVID came. Wow. It was wow. We still pray, but a lot of things have changed because of COVID. Uh, we uh, actually pray on virtual now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you're still it's praying. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we're still praying. It's just a different way. We're still living, but we just live differently. I like that. We're still living, but we live differently. Yes, yes, yes. So with all of the roles that you have, a mom, a wife, a ministry leader, um, all of those things, like, you know, one of the things that I, I recognize from just watching from afar is that oftentimes we can have this expectation of leaders that, they're in this role that they don't get tired, that um, we expect them sometimes to do what we're not willing to do ourselves and to operate in all of these roles and to do it always with excellence, never have a bad day, never be tired. How do you balance mm -hmm. doing everything that you do and still say, you know what, I know this is what I'm called to do and I'm committed to doing it for God and I find in the balance in there? 
But first of all, you did not say one thing that I was. Okay. <laughs> what was that? The first thing I am, I am a servant and a woman of God. I love that. That's what, that's the first, I am first a child of God, a believer, a Christian, a woman of God. And that's what starts off the balance. That's what starts off the balance. That's saying to me personally that I put God first. I have learned, mm-hmm. isn't that word? I have learned, it did not come overnight, Okay, but I have learned to put God first. And I learned that through one of my favorite scriptures that came from Proverbs, the third chapter, verses five and six. And this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit many years ago to put him first. And it says, trust in the Lord, all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And that's always has been that scripture that really balanced me off throughout all of these years is trusting in God with all my heart. And I can't lean not to my own understanding because a lot of times with daily circumstances and situations that come upon you, you know, this world is always clamoring for your attention. Yes, ma'am. And so you got to trust in God with all your heart and you can't lean to your own understanding. So that goes back to the word of God. And in all your ways, you acknowledge him first. Mm-hmm. And he has promised he will direct your path. And that's has helped me, that has directed me, that has given me wisdom and guidance for all the assignments that God has allowed me to uh, do for him. And I called it his kingdom purpose anyhow. Oh, because he is the king and we live in his kingdom. Yes. You know Miles Monroe. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. absolutely. And so that carries out my kingdom mandate for the Lord is always putting him first and trying to train my spirit man, my spirit man all the time, acknowledging that word. And that has really helped me in all the areas that has been assigned for me to do. I am, first of all, a woman of God, child of God, believe is Christian. Then I'm a wife. Then I'm a wife. I'm a wife of 42 years. I have been married for 40 Two years, 42 years. And I tell people all the time, I can only testify for myself. I love him, but I still like him. You I know, like we're commanded to love, but we're not commanded to like. I like <laughs> So him. I still like him. After 42 years, I still like him. And so with that, and I have recognized too, that uh, again, going back to the word of God and going back to prayer, the marriage, uh, me being a wife has helped me so tremendously is abiding by that word because, you know, it's no marriage given into heaven. And the Lord told me, told me a long time ago, you treat your husband like a brothering, treat your husband like a brothering because this is, we're not, I'm not going to be um, given any wifely duties in heaven. Right. <laughs> so I'm treating him like I would treat another Christian. Mm-hmm. I give him the respect as my husband. I give him the respect as a man of God. And I have learned, you know, my husband plays a lot of roles also. Yes, he does. It's he, uh, the senior pastor, but he's also, you know, a senator with the state of South Carolina. Uh, He's a businessman. He has his own business. And so he plays a lot of roles. And with that, and I have to always be reminded of how can I help him in each role? So that helps me to be a good wife also. That helps me to be a good wife. And I also have learned that a woman has to be chasing of her home as a wife, has to be chasing of her home. 
she sets the tone. I preached a message doing Mother's Day at the church and it was called The Woman's Touch. Mm-hmm. And wife is responsible for setting the tone of the household. Uh, she's the influencer of the household. She's the helpmate. And so with being that too, that has helped me also a lot. And then I have two sons, two sons, and they are 40 years old. They have a son that's 40, uh, DJ Darrell Jr. Mm-hmm. And he is actually the COO of our church campus. That means that he runs all of our daily operations of the church. Okay. And my other son, that's 37, Antoine, he is our youth pastor. He's our youth pastor, him and his wife. He's our youth pastor. And with training a child up in the way they should go, and the promise is to that verse is, as they grow old, they will not depart from it. So my testimony to my two sons, as I trained them, as I took them to Sunday school, as I taught them how to pray, as I taught them how to clean their house, their rooms, as I taught them how to be responsible to get their education, and I taught them to the best of my ability how to love the Lord with all their heart and all their mind and all their spirit. It has actually paid off because both of those young men now, they're helping us in the ministry at the Bible Way Church of Atlas Road. And that is a blessing, I'm sure, as a parent to see that, you know, when you do the legacy. Yeah, the legacy. Absolutely. You know, it's one way to live in public and there's another way that people live at home, but it shouldn't be any different. And to know that you lived your life in a way that your children say that the God that you serve, that they want to serve that God as well. And, you know, in Proverbs, it said, and your children should rise up and call you blessed. Yes, yes. And so so you're that woman that they're rising up and call you blessed. And so that is such a beautiful testimony, especially for those mothers that are listening. You know, I have friends and sometimes they're concerned about their children. Like, you know, they're not living a life that is saying that they've surrendered to God yet. And sometimes I'll say, although I'm not a mother, I am the recipient of the prayers that my mom prayed for me. I used to hear her praying. And because I knew I wasn't ready at the time, I'm like, there she is again praying. Oh, my God. And as I got old, I'm like, thank the Lord that my mom prayed for me. Yes, Yes. I'm so thankful. So just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't happen. I kept my two sons when they were small. I kept them at the altar. I kept the anointing oil on them. And then as they grew older, I always kept them before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, their names and their situation. And I'll tell you one thing that I also, the Lord led me to do with my family. In my bedroom, I have a collage, all of my immediate family, which is my husband, my sons, all my grandchildren and my daughter-in-law. So I have a collage on my wall. So when every morning that I'm praying or every night I'm praying, I can see their faces. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pray for them constantly. When I'm, If I have to go out through the house or go through the bedroom, I see their faces. So that connects me even more so with them. And, and that could be something you could do uh, with your family, um, listening audience that are just not mothers, but fathers. Uh, put your family's picture somewhere that you pray often. Mm-hmm. It helps you connect their faces and you don't. And the Holy Spirit would bring things back to your remembrance, even for them, that you can intercede and pray for them. That's a good idea. It's almost like having a visual picture in front mm-hmm. of you 
you know, you've heard the saying out of sight, out of mind, but if they're in your visual view, if you're always seeing that they're not out of mind, it's not like you're having to spend like your whole day in front of the collage frame, but you know, as you're walking through the house or God leads you to pray for them, you can see them. You may say, pray for this one, right. or pray for that one. So that's really good. Yes. Thank you so much for giving us that, that information. Yes. I want to go back to something you said, you know, 42 years of marriage. We don't want to just gloss over that. That's a long time to be married. A long yes. time. And the fact that you said, I don't just love him. I like him. And so how did you two meet? We actually met in college at Benedict okay. College. I was, uh, he was a junior and I was a um, freshman. Okay. That's why I actually met him first. Okay. Yeah. It's a funny joke. It's a, it's a really funny joke how we met because I was actually going with someone else with engagement ring on my really? finger from my boyfriend that my hometown, because I'm not from Columbia. Mm-hmm. And so my hometown Spineberg. So me and that particular person had made a pact that we would go get our education, but we would get married. And so the engagement kind of like was going to seal that engagement ring. Ah, oh, the Lord had a different plan. <laughs> Apparently so, right? <laughs> Let me tell you about the pictures. I remember my girlfriend in the room, in the dorm room, because I had his picture mm-hmm. and I had Daryl's okay. picture. And I had to actually choose one day which person that I would actually go with at that mm-hmm. time. Because both of them was downstairs in the, dorm, in the dormitory, in the waiting room, waiting for me. Because he was coming to pick me up for the summer. Daryl was coming to pick me up to actually go out. And I had to choose that day. Oh, my goodness. And now the scripture reminds me, choose you this day who you should serve. Right. And it looks <laughs> like you chose well, right? 42 years later. It, it was only God because I was really not saved. Yet. I really wasn't. I didn't have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like I have right. now. I didn't have the word knowledge like I have right. now. And so I knew that was God. That was God. That was God. And so here you are, 42 years later, you have children and grandchildren and your ministry together. And so how do you balance out the fact that not only is he your husband, but he's also your pastor? Because I know that can be, you know, the duality of that role. How do you do that? Well, what I do with that also, um, again, I know that Daryl is my husband, but he's also my senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I have to recognize how to... Uh, respect that role when he is my husband and to distinguish when he's the senior pastor. Yes. And I have to really, even um, in public, you know, even be careful with that. Even with that in meetings that we are in, even in social gatherings that we are in, I have to always remember, even though you're my husband, but you're still my senior pastor. That means that you're still my spiritual comfort. And so I have to recognize and respect that. But at home, I don't say Pastor Jackson. At home, I say right, that's your husband. <laughs> and then, too, even him being a role of a senator, I have to know how to switch in and out. Mm-hmm. I had to know how to switch in and out very early with that because when he's a senator, he's a senator. Right. And when we public and social gathered, now he becomes Senator Jackson. I hear you. Yes, yes. And so, you know, you have to learn how to do that because each culture will depend on how you would make decisions. Each culture would depends on how that you will react to different, you know, situations and circumstances. So, and that goes back to Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord. <laughs> With Trust all the of Lord. your heart. Yes. 
and they'll have to lean onto your own understanding. And I like the part that you said when you quoted that script, you said, I've learned to do this. It's like, it's not like mm-hmm. it was just automatic. And in learning, mm-hmm. it has to be a decision as well as that once you learn something, you have to continue to do it over and over again. Yes, yes. Consistency is very important in anyone's life. Consistency and discipline is very important. And you commit that loyalty to God when you are consistent, because he's going to be consistent mm-hmm. with you. And so that's very important to the Lord. He's going to be faithful to you. So why don't you be faithful that's to him? That's a great question. You know, I, I'm hoping the people yeah. who are listening that they're asking that, you know, asking themselves that question, that God is always going to be consistent to us because his word says that he never changes. And so why not be consistent yes. to him? Right. So yeah. the reason that I wanted to have, a part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation is that, of course, I said we were talking in May about this new season that you were embarking on after doing ministry. Um, and how many years have you been in ministry? Yeah, let me say this. When I first got married, I worked for banking and finance for five years. Okay. And then after five years, I went into state government and I worked for state government for five years. After that, I took a little break for almost about a year and a half before I entered into what I call full-time ministry, working down to the Bible Church of Atlas Road on the church campus. Okay. I would have, in the year of 2025, have been working down there 30 years. So all together, I have been working 40 years. I would have been working, in, and I'm getting ready to kind of like transition out of a lot of my duties. Again, I am a praying woman. For me, transitioning out of a lot of my duties, it's not that I'm going to stop ministry. I'm just not going to be doing some leadership roles but I'm always going to be supporting ministry. I'm always going to be supporting ministry, but it's time to step into another season in my life. And I have consulted the Lord and he can be released to do that in the next couple of years. And with this transition that you're going to have is we talked about legacy because, you know, you want something to outlive you. You want to leave a mark in the world and doing what God has called you to do, of course. So with this transition, what is the advice that you would give younger women who are in leadership capacity in ministry or who are doing what you're doing, supporting their husbands in ministry, who are raising young children and their husbands are in ministry and maybe they are as well, like those roles that they have to juggle? Because we live in a world where, like you said, so much can be vying for our attention. And I want to get your wisdom. We always have to remember, especially as women, we always have to remember, especially as women, we are first obligated, again, to God, through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We always put him first, always put him first. And with that, if you, you know, if you are a, a single woman, you know, you have more time to devote yourself unto when you're a believer, when you're a Christian, unto the work of the Lord. But when you're married, now your attention comes now God and then your husband. And then now if you have children and, and grandchildren like myself. What you have to do, you always have to remind yourself, don't forget about yourself. Don't get lost in the mix. Don't get lost in the mix. Because the scripture, again, that says you love the Lord with all your heart, which, you know, our greatest commandment, all your heart, soul, and mind. And you love your neighbors as your, God didn't forget about you. And I tell women all the time, don't get so lost in a mix of him. Don't get so lost in the mix of the children. Remember, you cannot be affected to anyone 
else if you don't properly take care of yourself mentally, physically, spiritually. You've got to take care of yourself. You can't help anybody. You can't help anybody heal. You can't help anybody that's going through, you know, any type of crisis or in anything, tragedy. If you're not actually healing yourself, if you're not actually helping yourself grow uh, emotionally. So you got, don't forget about your self-worth. Don't forget about it, women. Don't forget about your self-worth. Whatever your self-worth is, you know, we have different gifting that God has given us. Mm-hmm. All of us have all of these multi-giftings that God has given us. Find that. Find that gifting that God has given you. And, you know, take your outlets. You know, do things for yourself sometime, whether it's a girl's trip or uh, whether, you know, what like me. I like gardening. I like to write. You know, I do prayer and I do ministry and I preach and I teach. But. I like to shop some too. So find your, wherever your self-worth is, find it. And don't forget about yourself because you got to go back out there. And like me, I got to help my husband. I got to go back out there and help. Even though my two boys are now men and adults and they have their own houses and, you know, they have their own life, but I may have to help them some. I may have to help the grandchildren some. So I have to keep myself um, well-rounded and holistic in my mind in my body and in my spirit. I like that. that. I like that. You know, that's a perfect segue because I was going to ask you about, I was listening at someone the other day and I've really been talking a lot about this, about having this balance in your life. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes I'll see that we can get so balanced, out of balance, I'm sorry, not balanced, that we get so focused on, I'm going to do the work of the ministry that we don't take care of ourselves or we get so busy taking care of other people that we don't take care of ourselves. And so finding the balance that you can do what God has called you to do, like you say, he didn't forget about us. Uh, and so that we yeah. don't forget about us. And so being able to find the things that you like to do. I was reading an article the other day that says that even if you had one day of doing absolutely nothing, how important that is to your physical health. But when we oh, yes. talk about healing, oftentimes we think of healing in the sense of physical body only. But God wants us to be holistic, which is the word oh. that you you um just mentioned. And so he wants us to be holistically whole from a spiritual perspective, emotionally and physically. And we do need that time. And so finding the balance and not forgetting about yourself, that's great. The girlfriend trip. One of the reasons that I wanted to do the podcast is that I've always believed that just because there's a stereotype that women can't get along, that I I wholeheartedly disagree with that because God has put just amazing women in my life. Um, that throughout my journey in life. And I wanted to have this idea that there are women in the body of Christ, believers who understand the importance of community. As a leader, you know, sometimes that can be, I'm sure, difficult because you're a leader. How do you choose your friends um, so that you can have a person that you can talk to? So you're not always doing the one pouring, but you have somebody who can pour into you as well. Yes. And now, as a leader, I'm going to tell you, as I was growing up, especially as a, a teenager, I was always this person. When I look back in hindsight, I, I always was a leader. I was a bad leader then when I was a teenager because I, and I led a gang. I li- really led a gang. You led a gang. I led, I led a gang, yes. In high school, I was a gang leader. I tell you an example, um, new girls that came to school, you know, I had all these girls that would kind of like would gravitate to me anyhow, mm-hmm. for some reason, I, I guess, because God said, 
I know the position that I'm going to have you in when you switch over. Uh-huh. And so, I, you know, I would get the bus number. The girl was coming, the new girl. I, I would know where she lived, how she looked. And I would tell the, the gang, to, you know, to, um, you know, beat up, you know, um, scare up. I was, I was gang leader. But in hindsight, I was seeing that God was grooming me to be not a bad leader, but now a good leader. Right. Showing me how people would gravitate to me and would listen to me and would follow my instructions. And I didn't even know that in hindsight, but I see it now. Right. Because I always was a leader. I mean, I always had the trend to the girls who look at me, you know, what are you wearing? You know, how are you going to wear it? Where are you going? Um, who are you dating? And all of that, you know, so I always said that I was also a trendsetter. I was always a trendsetter, but I was a trendsetter in a bad way, you know, until I switched partners with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I always was a leader. I always was a leader. I'm glad you mm-hmm. said that about trendsetter. We'll go back in a moment to how yeah. do you have like connection with women and sisterhood and and finding a place where you can be, you know, just, you know, not Pastor Willie Mae Jackson, not yeah. the leader, but just a girlfriend having a conversation with another girlfriend? Yes, I have girl. I have a um, a good, very good close friend. Let me say this too now. My best friend is Daryl. My best friend oh, is Daryl. I love Darryl. that. Yeah, he's my best friend. But I do have a really good, she's not in, she's, she doesn't live here, but we talk sometimes two times a day. Okay. <laughs> and the commonality that I had another friend for years but she got married and she went on, I mean, for years, for 15 years, had a, a really close friend. But this friend um, that I have now, she's also a pastor. She's the lead pastor of her church. And even before I knew her, even before she became a pastor, but she is what I call really my ride or die right now. Okay, She's my ride or die. I can talk to her about anything. Uh, she can share anything. And we just kind of help each other out. She's married. Uh-huh. She has um, older children, too, but she has a teenage daughter. So she is my friend. And I have other what I call friends, because just like um, next week, I'm going to C.C. Wyden's concert with a couple of friends. Okay, I have those kind of friends, too. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. Yeah, but I have this one person that I can really talk to, one confident that I I believe as a leader, not to say we better than anyone else. Uh But there should not be too many friends that you can't, you need to confine in. You because you have too much information that you hold that people have confined in you with. Okay. And you have to be very, very careful. Have to be very, very careful with that. And so as a leader, and especially in my position, because we have been given the responsibility of so many people. Uh-huh. And so God has shown me, you know, just to keep a confident, just maybe just one person. Gotcha. But have other associates, have other people that I associate with and socialize with. But a confident is all, always been with me. It's just one person. I hear you. You know, I want to go back mm-hmm. to what you said about being a trendsetter. So my, I have a prayer partner who is, oh my gosh, such a dear friend to me. And she and I have been praying together um, for about six years now. So we met mm-hmm. at Bible Way Church. She was at Fort Jackson. My brother was at Fort Jackson. He he told her that she needed to meet me. And we met in Pastor Nicole's PDI class. Right. And so we we didn't connect for like six years. And then we connected again because she was looking for a prayer partner. I was looking for a prayer partner. And so she tells a story all the time about 
when she was a new believer and she saw you, you came to Daniel Circle. And so she sent me a text message. I'm going to tell you what she said that goes along with what you said. She said, as a new believer, I was shocked the first time I met Pastor Jackson at Daniel Circle Women's Event. She was beautiful, stylish, and even had a fly short haircut. I didn't know (laughs) church ladies could look so fashionable. (laughs) But not only did she look good, she brought the word of God to life that day. She introduced me to another side of being free in Christ. You mean to tell me you can look stunning and still be holy? And so we talk about that all the time about how as a new believer, because she had this concept of what a church lady should look like. And then you come in and she was a new believer. Like, no, I can still have style and be saved. And so, yeah, so it's just an indication of, you know, when you said that you've always been a trendsetter, you always looked a certain kind of way, but that doesn't take away from who you are as a woman of God. And so, um, yeah. so you can be yourself. If you like style before you became a Christian, you can still be stylish. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah I was. Oh, I was. Oh yeah, I love my father. It, blame it on my father. My father was so stylish. My father dressed me, and uh, my father used to dress. I call it a male look, you know, with the green suit, the green shoes. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, how the men wear monochromatic. Everything's the same color. <laughs> yes, brown. Yes. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. My father uh, was a dresser. My brothers are love to dress too. Yeah, my mother did too. So yeah, yeah. So what yeah. are the lessons that you learned as a leader um, in ministry for all of the years that you've been doing this? What is the one thing if you had to look back and say, or maybe there's more than one that you can say? You know, I did that, but I would do it differently. And then what is the thing that you said? You know. This is a lesson that I would want other young people who are in ministry for them to learn early on. Mm-hmm. Well, what I would say, Donna, is just so many things that I have learned. But I believe that, you know, all things work together for good. Yes, ma'am. For them love the Lord, for them that are called according to his purpose. Even, even you know, I say the good working for the good and the bad is working for the good. And there's a lot of things that I could could change, but one thing I would not change. I would not change. Okay. I would not change everything that I went through Mm -hmm. because I know it worked for the good. Mm -hmm. I I understand it worked for the good now. And um, I always often look at when I was younger Mm -hmm. as being a wife, you know, and where I am today. I am so glad as when I was a young wife, and this was only God because I didn't have the word knowledge that I have now, but I know it was only by the grace of God that uh, I chose to be involved with women that knew more than I knew, mm-hmm. that prayed more than I prayed, that believed more than I believed, that had more faith than I had. So I chose those type of women to be around because I knew that I could glean from them. If you choose to be around someone that's weaker than you, you're not going to learn anything. If you choose to be around somebody that's negative, you're not going to learn anything. So I would tell women, especially women that are, you know, in ministry and leadership, even not just in church, but even in your vocation, choose those, especially women, choose those women that a little bit more, have a little bit more knowledge than you have, a little bit more wisdom than you have. So they can actually put those golden, those wisdom nuggets and those different, you know, knowledgeable nuggets in you. So you can 
be a more mature person. Yes, yes. And so, and then too, I would say to women and men too that may be listening, learn how to take constructive criticism. Okay. Learn how to take constructive criticism. And then what you live, it's a difference between someone like criticizing you and constructive criticism. And you would know the difference too. You would know the difference because you would ask God. You would know the difference. Is it constructive criticism or is it somebody just criticizing you just to be saying something about you or just want to see you react? And But learn how to take that. And when you learn how to take constructive criticism, ask God to give you a strong heart, a strong heart. And ask God to give you and tell God, God, my heart, because I really, if you are, it's called, you want to be teachable. It's yeah. really docs out. You want to be teacher. And, and it's nothing when you see somebody that doesn't want to take constructive criticism. It sounds like the, the word that I keep hearing is humility. Like, mm-hmm. so, because in order for you to be able to take constructive criticism, you have to be humble enough to hear it and not look at yeah. it as an attack, but actually no. information that can help you to get to where you want to be, to help you to mature, to help you to grow in your faith, to help you to, right. whether it's in, like you said, professionally or if it's in ministerial as well. And so being mm-hmm. willing, you know, not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to, um, not being prideful. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, you know, whether you're a leader or, you know, we're all leaders in our own, we can be in our circles of influence, but whether you have a leadership title or not, is that we all should be able to be led. Um, and at some point in leadership, that sometimes that we're the follower, not the leader. And so I think that takes yeah. a great amount of humility. It's called in authority, but yet under authority. Mm, I like that. Mm. I like that. Yeah. In authority, but yet under authority. And um, many years when someone came to me and brought a situation to my attention and said to me, you know, you should have or uh, you should have said this. It when I was younger, it really I, I crumbled. I crumbled. I really crumbled. I couldn't okay. take constructive criticism because, like you said, I thought it was an attack. But I had to go back to Proverbs again. because That was my own understanding. I had to ask God, you know, show me if I said it wrong. Um if even my body language, if I expressed it wrong, God, I, it's like when the Bible said, you know, search me, oh Lord. Right. I was asking God to search me. If there's anything that's not like you, you know, take it away and lead me to everlasting life. And so that's what you have to do. You know, I had to, even as when I say young, I had to take constructive criticism. And as I grew, I had to give constructive criticism. I had to give because now, you know, I'm in this leadership because we were not pastors at first. Uh, Bishop and Mrs. Jackson was the pastors and we didn't become the pastors till after 10 years Okay, um, when we were married. We were married um, close to 12 years. I'm sorry, 20 years, excuse me, 20 years. So after that, now I'm in leadership. Now I have to give constructive criticism. I just had to give some instructions to a young woman just the other day. And um, hardest thing that I have to do as a leader and as a woman mm-hmm. to talk to women about hygiene, to talk to women about the cleanliness of their homes, to talk to women about their character. But you know, one thing I always do, Donna, after I talk to someone, I always tell them, if you see me out of line, if you see me not wearing something 
properly. If you hear me not saying, I want you to tell me, I want you to tell me. And if I can help you, what I brought to your attention, I'll be glad to help you with it. That's good. So what it sounds like you're telling them is that I'm not above what I'm telling you. So Uh if I'm going to say that, you know, these are the things that I see, I'm saying that I'm also giving you permission that even Mm -hmm. as your leader, that if you see something that you feel like needs to be brought to my attention, bring it to my attention as well. Bring it to my attention. You always leave them with that. Yes. I always leave them the always leave it. If I can help you in the area that I brought to your attention, if I can help you with it, please let me know. Okay. That's good. So as we're getting ready to end the conversation, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it, just getting to know you a little bit better. I never would have known that you were a former gang member or leader, (laughs) but look at God has used those leadership skills and how you've done just such an awesome work in ministry in the women's ministry and, and how you've been consistent. You know, if I had to take one word from our conversation and listening at what you've done is that the consistency that you've had with prayer, 28 years, I think is what you said. Um, but now that you're not doing it in person, you're just doing it differently. Um, you know, being willing to always, you have this like, I, I don't want to lean to my own understanding, but I want to get God's perspective about it. And that's what we should all want is to have his perspective and God's perspective about seasons in our life as well. Like, you know, that there's coming a time very soon that there's going to be a transition and you're preparing for that transition. And it's not that you're going to not continue to do the work of the ministry, but you're going to do it in a different capacity. And leaving legacy, what we talked about as well is that you want to be able to leave something that those that are following behind you, they have the footprints and that you've left a mark and that you've done it for the kingdom. And so um, for those who are listening, um, I hope that you've been able to gain something from this conversation. But I just want to tell you, thank you, because I came to Columbia, South Carolina, and had you not said yes. You know, we don't know how our yes is going to impact somebody else's life. And so when you said yes to ministry, do you and Pastor Jackson both saying yes to what God had called you to? You didn't know that there was a young woman who was going to come from Tulsa, Oklahoma, relocate to South Carolina who came at a time where she was really wounded. I had just mm-hmm. lost my mom in the December prior to that, to moving here. Um, a little bit more than, a little less than a year. And I came here because my brother was here and I had had something that happened with uh, a friend and I came and just, just totally hurt and wounded. And I came mm-hmm. and I sat and because of those connections and those relationships, you know, you know, I'm here now. It's 20 something years that I left home. I've been here, I think, like 16, 17 years is that we're talking what? now. And then I still have those connections from Bible Way. So thank you for your yes. And so oh, I appreciate it. Um, and Pastor Jackson as well. You know, you didn't have to say yes. I'm glad that you did because I'm not the only person who's been impacted by your yes. And what we don't know oftentimes is that on the other side of our yes, on the other side of our obedience, that somebody's life can be changed because of that. Oh, yes, yes. yes. That's and true. so That's true. as we're finishing up the conversation um, this evening, and hopefully that, you know, is another time we'll be able to talk. Is there anything that you wanted to leave with the listening audience that you want to say to someone who's listening to your, your life experiences, your wisdom, what you gain, anything that you want to leave with final words? Yes, I would say this, Donna, is that, um, all of the 42 years of marriage, all of the 45 years now um, being uh, saved and having, because the first couple of years of salvation, 
I didn't, I was saved, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's different. Mm -hmm. And when I gained that relationship with God through his word, I learned more about me. The more I knew about God through his word, the more I knew about myself because it became less of me and more of him. And so with that, I encourage the listening audience, please, the only way that you know about yourself is through the word of God, because the will for your life is the word of God. If you're searching for purpose, if you're searching for relationship, if you're searching for getting out of financial debt, (laughs) if you're searching for buying a car, go to the word of God. It is found in everything that you need that pertain to life and godliness is through his word, through his word. Have a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the best. That is the most wonderful and amazing, amazing thing you could ever do for yourself. It positions you. It positions you to be blessed and to be a blessing. It really does. And I tell you, you would just not be happy, but you would find happiness. You would find complete joy. The Bible said that when you find him like that, you are complete in him. And everything else and everybody else only enhances itself for your life. So please, please, those that are listening, you're hearing me, please get a relationship. Do the word of God with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that would be the best decision that you would ever, ever make in your entire life. You know, there's nothing else to say after that, you know. You know, in every conversation that we have, we want to be inviting people by how we live or what we say to this wonderful relationship that they can have with Jesus and how he can change your life totally, completely. So no better word said, nothing else that I need to say, but thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me tonight. And I'm thankful to those of you who are listening in. I hope that you're able to take something from the conversation, apply it to your life and that you will be able to not only apply it to your life, but share this conversation with someone else as well. So I hope that you're tuning again and listening to Sisters Doing Life Together. Good night. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If we're not connected yet, please follow me on Instagram at sisters underscore doing life together. And finally, will you please consider becoming a financial supporter? The ways to contribute are in the episode description. I hope you will tune in again and listen. And if you are looking for a sisterhood, I welcome you to Sisters Doing Life Together. Because when you have a sisterhood, you never have to do life by yourself. Until next time. (laughs) 